James, where on earth have you been? I've been searching London for you. 007 is here, sir. I'll see you in a minute. Money, Penny. What gives? Me, given an ounce of encouragement. Mm. You never take me to dinner looking like this, James. Mm. You never take me to dinner, period. Uh, I would, you know. Only Anne would have me court-martialed for uh, illegal use of government property. Flattery will get you nowhere, but don't stop trying. Now. Well, what's all this to do about? Strangways, and it looks serious. We've been burning the air between here and Jamaica for the last three hours. Oh, in you go. Don't forget to write. to Stuff We've Seen. This is your host, James Kent, and with me on the horn is TLZ. TLZ, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, no fancy it, introduction it, this time. It, it's Teal hyphen Z. Is that it? Teal Z. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, you know, just so you know. Okay. So, uh, on the horror front, that was a couple episodes we had there with the Criterion yeah. Collection. And uh, there, you know, just because we didn't cover every movie, that doesn't mean I'm not, wasn't going to you know, invest <laughs> right. some time and right. watch all of them. <laughs> um, and I'm, I don't think I am. I've decided that there's a couple I'm just not going to get to. But I had started this Vampire Lovers movie that we mentioned. Yes, yes, yes. And for some reason, I needed some, I guess, late night entertainment. And I had finished, you know. 20, 25 minutes of it. So I don't know. I just decided I would just give it another try and decide whether or not I should finish it. Right. Well, I, then it just suddenly got more interesting. <laughs> so I, I ended up watching the whole thing. Um, and I, now I kind of wish they had watched it in time to, for the show because it was pretty funny <laughs> in many regards. And now I realized that the Hammer movies that I saw growing up as a kid uh-huh. did not include the rated R ones. <laughs> Now, do you think you saw some of them maybe edited? Maybe, but not this one for sure. <laughs> okay. Because because basically it was it was really Hammer's version of a soft core porn movie. <laughs> um, and and then of course now that you know then the mystery deepens a little bit. It was a collaboration with American International. Oh, okay. Oh, the mystery deepens. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, for those who don't know, American International is just one of those you know little independent shops that. Uh, catered to <laughs> all right. sorts of weird crap um <laughs> but uh so you know they were looking for some a little bit of smut added to their uh, feature films and so basically with the rated r now in existence they went with hey wait we have you know vampires what about vampiresses Right. And a little bit of a woman-on-woman action. (laughs) And I thought that maybe they thought it would be more tasteful to show a lot of, um, a little bit beyond the cleavage, a little bit of actual breasts if it was a woman vampire sucking um, the teeth into the breast as opposed to a man doing that, (laughs) you know. (laughs) You know, somehow it was a little bit more tasteful having Ingrid Pitt. (laughs) Sticking her fangs into the uh, 
the bosom of the right. And so basically the whole plot revolves around it's again it's another revenge fantasy where the only uh, sort of member of a particular vampire family this one woman who escapes being destroyed uh, from this village uh, years ago uh, she's back for revenge and so she is snacking on the various uh, town's beauties <laughs> uh, one by one they, they they are dying off but nobody seems to want to admit nobody makes a connection right oh. well they know that these women are dying and they seem to be drained of blood and they have these interesting little <laughs> dots on their breasts but <laughs> they don't want to make the connection or they just don't want to think that it could be vampires now there's a name for for this right where uh, there's got to be where like in vampire movies nobody knows anything about vampires or like in zombie movies uh zombies have never existed in pop culture up until then there's those people in the towns that know and right and, and yet you have to finally get to those townsfolk because you're now willing to go and believe um, right that everybody in this particular household is either being um you know hypnotized by this one countess who she keeps showing up like as a visitor to these various things and being so nice to the ladies and you know it, it's <laughs> like it, it, you're you're caught up in the whole thing it just felt like this like almost a saturday night live skit they used to do called Tales of ribaldry um, <laughs> okay. and, and it's just i mean it's awesome I and mean, there's these buxom women and then there's this countess preying on them and seducing them and um and then of course you know lots of lots of boobage yep of course <laughs> i'm just thinking that the 14 year old me would have would have been very excited <laughs> to have watched the vampire lovers <laughs> Uh, if, if you could have gotten it. Yeah, I didn't know it existed then, and they didn't, weren't showing it on Cinemax. <laughs> yes. <they're. laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but there's definitely, I mean, it, it's funny. I, I had referenced one of the films, I think Daughters of Darkness, as yes. I thought that The Hunger might have been the closest cousin. Now I realize The Vampire Lovers was really the pairing. Oh, interesting. Be okay. Because we were going to this whole subgenre of female vampire movies, which they, they weren't going after men in those movies. They were right. going after women. So there was this whole uh, lesbian connection. And there was a very similar film that was done, an Italian one called um, Vampiros Lesbos. Oh, yes. Which was a play on words because it took place in the island of lesbos right in greece but it was also that they were lesbians <laughs> uh and that one's a classic because it has this awesome awesome music the the score is just amazing so at, at any rate yeah it was very very similar to the vampire lovers and i think they just like you know ran with that for a, a while in the 70s uh, it, it is a subgenre it's one that we could explore at some point <laughs> well i was i enjoyed exploring it <laughs> Late oh, but, night. but I think you've just scratched the surface. <laughs> yes, an itch I had to scratch, um, and I'm very glad I did. <laughs> so anyways, The Vampire Lovers is still on Criterion, and now I am recommending that if you are into that sort of thing, it's another uh, taste treat sensation from the good folks at Hammer, which, by the way, this is another thing that was fascinating. Uh, and maybe, you know, I'm sure there's a podcast out there that's just devoted to Hammer movies. I'm sure there there's more than one, yeah. But it really is a fascinating look at the studio system. Mm -hmm. These people had their own film laboratory. Yes. Uh, and so everything about it was so in-house from the sets to the costumes to the actors that just showed up time and time again. And because they have everything ready to go, they can crank them out. 
Yeah, I mean, I had mentioned in one of the other episodes about Peter Cushing. He's in this film, but he's only like a bit player in it. He just okay. shows up probably because like, hey, what are you doing this afternoon, Peter? Well, we got a, we got a few days that you want to do on this one. <laughs> they ran into him at the commissary. And... and I'm really not kidding because if you look at his credits, the guy between like 1970 and 75, he cranked out like, it seemed like 30 movies. So I think wow. that the guy with him and uh, Christopher Lee, who were like best buddies because they just worked. I really think it was like you go to work. And it was like, oh, what project am I working on? Oh, I'm going to do a few days on this one and then this right. the next Well, no, one. you just show up at work and then <laughs> And that must have been a fascinating time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really must have been quite interesting. And it, and it was really like how the studios uh, in Hollywood worked from like the, you know, the 20s up through, say, the 50s. Yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, I am a little fascinated between the Hammer thing. And I'm not saying I'm going to go and watch a ton, but. We might need to do an episode, though. I did a search on Amazon <laughs> Prime. And there are several Hammer movies available on, you know, to actually watch if you have the subscription to Prime. Okay. Okay. So anyways, there, there's a rabbit hole. There is a, that is certainly a rabbit. Yeah, that is an, a, almost an endless rabbit hole. I mean, there's got to be hundreds of these movies, right? That's what I'm saying. I think you could just do a Hammer podcast. <laughs> on <laughs> well, somebody, if you if you uh, if you know of this podcast, let us know. So, what else we got? There's other there are movies that have debuted on the streaming services. Okay, I I, I did see a couple of things oh, that well, I'm going to tell me about those. I saw a couple of low budget kind of horror films that are on Netflix. Oh, oh, are they are they like made for Netflix? Are these old? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think they're purchased by Netflix. Okay, because my wife's always watching these. Yeah, and and this is one your your wife might like. It's called In the Tall Grass. I feel like she already saw it. Well, I recommended it to you about a month ago. I think. Yeah, but she'd already seen it. She had already seen it. Okay, and it's directed by Vincenzo Natali. He did Cube and, oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. Splice. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it's based on a Stephen King story or something. That's probably, again, why my wife watched it, but okay. And it's about this couple, and they stop by the side of the road, uh, and they hear a kid calling from this field of like really tall grass. I'm already scared. And they go in and they can't find the kid and they get separated and they get lost and they can't get out of the field. Hmm. It's like, they, it sounds a lot like that one you recommend that I haven't seen yet where the couple can't get out of the housing development. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this, they can't get out of the field. And then there's other people in there. There's some weird stuff going on with time. There's some time loop stuff and it gets pretty, it, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun B movie. Okay. And it's, uh, you know, it's an hour and 40 minutes. And yeah, it, I don't know. It's just a fun little tricky, twisty, bendy, B-movie horror type film. And if you're into that kind of thing with a little bit of a sci-fi horror twist, then uh, it's a pretty good one. And then the other thing I watched also on Netflix, this one is called One BR. One Bedroom? One Bedroom. Okay. Have you seen this? Have mm, you? Do you know about it? No. Okay. <laughs> so it's about this young woman who uh, has moved out to, I think, Los Angeles, and she's looking for an apartment. And she goes and looks at this apartment. They call her and say, you've got, you've got the apartment. She goes and uh, moves in. And everyone in this apartment complex is like super friendly and they all hang out together. <laughs> 
then there's these there starts to be these weird noises at night and she can't sleep it sounds like there's something in the pipes oh that's another trope that these horror movies always have is that pipe sound because i'm i'm watching something right now that has that pipe sound yeah and this movie really goes for the cliches i should say oh okay <laughs> um but it turns out that the apartment complex is everyone there is like members of this cult oh of course and they are like psychologically torturing her to get her to join the cult, which I thought was sort of a cool idea. But then it just turns into actual torture. Ooh, right! Like they nail her hands to the wall, and oh, jeez, yeah. I mean, it turns. So, and and the, where do you find these movies, or what possesses you to go for them? <laughs> well, uh, this is a subgenre for me. Uh, which is <laughs> which is movies about cults. Oh yeah, there's a lot out. That seems to be ever since Midsommar. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot out there. Like, are you there's that HBO thing, The Third Day or whatever? Yes, my, yeah. my wife's watching that. So yeah, it's it's definitely, but it's a subgenre for me, and that's why I decided to check this out. And then, uh, it, but my, my disappointment with this movie is that it was physical torture and not psychological torture. Yeah, physical torture kind of it's a little bit of a turnoff for me. Well, it's just boring, frankly. It, it would have been so much more interesting to watch her sort of mentally break down. And anyhow, she escapes from the cult at the end. Oh, well, great. I'm going to give away the ending because okay. it's, it's a surprise ending. <laughs> surprise. <She gets laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give away the ending because I don't really think anyone needs to watch this movie. But yeah, you felt like we should talk about it. <laughs> I felt I should talk about it. I did. A warning, I guess. Because for some reason it stuck in my mind because like it stayed with me but, but largely just because I wanted it to be something better. Yeah. Like it was low budget, it was it had a good setup, it was interesting, the acting is fine, like everything's fine about it except that it's like physical torture not mental torture and that's mm. just not as interesting when you're trying to convince somebody to join your cult. I'm still trying to catch up on classics. For these are all there's so many new ones that I just but uh I on Shutter because we still have that yeah, yeah. for a month. Uh one movie that I as a kid I wanted to see and didn't so I'm watching it. And, you know, it's, I'm watching it late at night every like, you know, like sort of in 15 minute chunks and it's pretty good is uh the changeling mm. with george c. with george scott. c scott yes i've yeah. seen that seen yep. it? yeah yeah i yep. think it's a pretty good ghost story so far yeah it's decent yeah I, I it's got some pretty uh it's got some pretty creepy scenes and sequences in it I, that's what i'm finding yeah who directed that i can't remember arthur hiller <laughs> oh that's right yeah that's yeah, right that's yeah, yeah yeah but here's the interesting thing about it this is what i'm comparing it to uh, is there's this uh netflix limited series there whatever the haunting of bly manor yes and i watched the first season thing the haunting of hill house and i thought that was pretty good yeah this takes place in the 80s in some, you know, like I think in England or something at this blind manner. And it's basically, you know, how many times do we have to see the turn of the screw done? <laughs> uh, right. And okay. that's the problem is we kind of slowed our, ourselves on it because it's just like whatever. But here's the thing. Today, this is those things where it's shot on digital and the way it looks 
it looks like everybody's in a costume. It doesn't really oh, feel right. It doesn't yeah. feel like the eighties. But now I'm watching this Changeling, which is it takes place like in a big manor up in like yeah. Seattle or something. Yeah. But you see the lighting and you see the way the the manor looks inside the setting and you see how he's dressed. And I'm like, couldn't they have just watched the changeling and, <laughs> and, and kind of said, how do we make it look a little bit more like this? Because this is sort of the period we're going for. And right. when you have this wealth of movies to look at, I don't think these people today ever look at them. I think you're right. They do, no, <laughs> and that's really. I know it, it's these are just my things at Stickler, but I'm like, I'm watching this changeling. I'm like, this is your blueprint right here, people. <laughs> you got it. You got it right here. Yeah, that's a good movie. We, uh, hmm. yeah, haven't seen it in a long time. Okay, so we saw some other stuff. I think. Yeah, well, all right, and again, these I'm going to rattle them off because when you see them, then we could talk to them. But yeah. you know, another one of those big Netflix now now with no movies to see in the theaters, Netflix is basically like we can finally win that Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, uh, so we're going to have all these good movies, and one of their big hits that they got out was the Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yep, I did not see it. And uh, you know, again, I know you have the Sorkin issues. Uh, as do you. I do mostly as well. He's only directed one other movie, but I thought that movie was terrible. Well, I have the Sorkin writing issues. I know you do, and this movie has a has a has a combination of the overreaching of the Sorkin clever writing, and then the not so great Sorkin directing, where he thinks he just thinks a handsome production is enough. Right. Um, it has a lot of good editing, and I enjoyed myself the whole way through. But basically, by the time it was over, I was like, "Huh, okay." And I also felt that it was too clever for its own good, okay. meaning, meaning that it wrote itself into a nice, tight, like Hollywood story that individually the scenes I never bought for a second that these could have ever happened. Oh, wow. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I just like, you know, I don't know whether it's like, uh, I think it's well-timed because of all that's happened in the country over the yeah. summer. And it's a reminder that, you know, we have one side that doesn't just want you to not protest, but it wants you to pay the price for it. And so I think that's important. So I think the movie has some importance to just show you how the past is becoming uh, present. Right. Uh, But otherwise, again, I had no problems with any performances and things. It's just that I just felt, A, there's just something. It's almost like the same problem I had with The Post. Oh, right. Yeah, I hated that movie. I know you did. It feels like it could have been very close cousins with The Post. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I just thought that was just awful boring i would say this movie was edited well and i know that sounds crazy but if you watch it you'll watch and and say yeah you know what the editing of the movie was really good (laughs) okay Uh, (laughs) so anyways and then of course it's funny it's like a uh, sasha barry cohen double feature because i also watched the barat movie the barat movie yeah yes i watched that instead of the debates that night because uh amazon prime dropped it a day early right yes uh you know and then you know it was it was barat again 14, 16 years later, uh, not as funny as he was the first time. Yeah. what I saw some article that was basically like, this is more of an expose than a comedy. Yeah. And then now, you know what? I'll be, just be honest. Like, there's only so much in the well of uh, making fun of crazy right-wing people. Right. A- after a while, like in the last four years, I just don't find much of that funny anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I find the Borat character pretty funny, usually. He's better, like, so he's better than any of his other characters that he's done movies for? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's an actress that he got who's like really, like, she's from Bulgaria or something, who plays his teenage daughter. Yes, yes. And she's pretty funny. 
Okay. Um, and there's some outrageous parts. And through the movie, I did laugh. Like, uh, I, I laughed hilariously at a few parts. That's more than I get out of a lot of comedies. Exactly. And I'm sure if you watch it, there's a couple of scenes there that you're going to get some chuckles. But, you know, overall, it's like, okay, whatever, move on. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I can't, you know, I'm not going to stop people from watching it. Right. <laughs> um, I, I'll encourage, I mean, I think if you watch, it's like 90 minutes, you know, you can get through that pretty quick. Yeah, I just don't know how excited I am about it. I, I think for the same reason you just said, I don't know how funny I find that stuff. I just find it sad and disturbing. Well, here's the thing is, my 12-year-old, right, he didn't really know who the Brat character was because he was too young to watch. He's right. still too young to watch it, but we let him watch it anyway. And it was fun because he was laughing hysterically. But by the end, his assessment was the same. It's like, yeah, you know, there's some funny parts, but by the end, it was getting a little long. Yeah. <laughs> and it just wasn't, you know, and and the Rudy Giuliani thing is not really really as great as you'd hope it would be right this is the undeniable part of it is that he clearly got his old body excited for a second that maybe this young reporter right. who he thought <laughs> was interested in getting to know him better um what he was actually thinking was going to happen i don't know <laughs> right <laughs> but clearly he thought something was going to happen but uh i think uh, you know i think actually they didn't they didn't let the joke play long enough to see what was going to happen was larry david involved in this movie no, you're, you're thinking about Larry Charles. Oh, sorry. Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yes. Um, Larry yeah. Charles did not seem to be involved this time around. Okay. Um, see how uh, I could pick that up because Larry Charles was involved in, uh, yes. in Curb Your Enthusiasm. So that's probably where the connection comes in, which is also with Larry David. But no. Right. So anyway, you know, now we've covered all those, but let's talk about one that we both saw. Yes. Um, which is on the Apple Plus. You know, it's always misleading. You go to Apple Plus thinking, does that mean I have access to lots of movies? No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> they give you a few. They've got, they're now getting into, we're going to purchase some movies. Like they had right. that Tom, did you see the Tom Hanks one? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't see the Tom <laughs> Hanks was, one. You know, where they were shooting U-boats out there and had to yeah. get through. Well, you know, that's, uh, I talked about it when you were on hiatus. Uh, What's it called? <sighs> see, that's the problem. I don't even know. I can't remember what it's called. It's called Tom, Tom Hanks Hits the Seas in World War II. Um, and uh, good old Bill from Queens and I talked about it, you know, and it's like, hey, I have this Apple Plus uh, free subscription for a year and they're going to give me a movie that I don't have to pay for. I'll watch it. And? And, you know, that's that's what it was. <laughs> it was nothing to write home about. And uh, if I think it was meant for old folks to watch in a theater, they didn't get a chance to. So now those same old folks don't have Apple Plus. Was it originally supposed to be in theaters? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It also had gone through, I don't know what kind of uh, post-production turmoil, because it was supposed to be released like a year before. Oh, okay. It seems like the movie's like a tight 90 minutes, and I think like a half hour got excised out because they realized that wasn't doing the movie any favors. Right. Okay. So you're left with like a lot of action, and it is entertaining because you really get to understand what is the strategy as you're trying to cross the channels. <laughs> like, Is it Greyhound? Yeah, that's it. And okay. uh, you're trying to understand how how did the U-boats work? Like, how does it go and right. shoot these destroyers? And you understand the whole battle and, like, what this this job was to stop the U-boat. So, I mean, it's fascinating. Um, right. and, and I liked it as far as being, like, guy watching a war movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. But it's but it's pretty traditional. It's pretty traditional. Nothing nothing fancy. I, I already you know I forgot the name of the movie. Right. Yeah. But one movie I was very excited about was the fact that they were going to be putting on and you would if you have Apple Plus you have access to see Sofia Coppola's next film on the rocks. Yeah. 
And the reason why I was excited about it is that I enjoy seeing all of her movies, regardless of whether I like them or not. I realize I've missed a few of her movies. I've seen every single one she's directed. Okay. And I love Bill Murray. So if Bill Murray's in something, I'm going to watch it. Yes. I watched when she directed the Bill Murray Christmas special. Yep. I've watched it more than once. Love it. And she wanted to get some of those same people together. And she came up with a story that she basically, he was like the inspiration that she wrote something that she, you know, it is an excuse to be able to like work with him again. And so basically uh, opening night (laughs) that Friday, a week ago, I watched it. And? Uh, what about you? You, you saw it too, right? <laughs> I saw, yes, I did so see you it. You could tell me first. Does it hold up to the one bedroom standards? <laughs> it, it's it's a whole different. It's a yeah, whole I different. Know. I'm just kidding. It's not even it, the same thing. Like those movies, those sort of Netflix B movies. Uh, you know, they're just like eating a bag of Doritos, and they're they're not though. They're. I mean, we did that Doritos movie episode. Stale, stale Doritos. These are stale Doritos, <laughs> and. Uh, and and so it's not even it, it, it you can't even compare like when i say a movie like in the tall grass is good for what it is like it's not even it doesn't even compare you know what it is it's talkies talkies are like doritos they're intriguing <laughs> you have a couple and then you're like i'm putting the bag away yeah exactly like i can't take too many of those kinds of movies no. but i enjoy uh, i enjoy one from time to time and <laughs> but and i think part of it is like my expectations for a movie like that are so much lower right whereas Sophia Coppola I have higher expectations I expect a little bit more from the movie because of what she's done in the past yeah so I didn't know much about it and oh man am I take it I have really mixed mixed feelings about this movie Mm. it's a really likable movie (laughs) there's like nothing to offend anyone it's it's pleasing it's the characters are nice it's fun to hang out with them uh it's got a nice light tone to it i think you just said a key thing there the hangout it's it's almost like sophia coppola's hangout movie (laughs) it is it is a hangout movie yeah it's definitely it's a father-daughter hangout movie and so i had a couple of issues with it though that were problematic for me one is okay this is just a personal thing and it's not really a critique of the movie but okay i'm tired of watching movies about super rich people <laughs> well don't you think that almost any time today you get a movie uh, in new york city set which you don't get that many anymore yeah you they're don't. usually affluent yeah and they are they there is some affluence in this movie and so you know that's like given our current economic state of things it's just it, it, i don't know it just doesn't sit right with me necessarily but that's a personal thing so you're you're hitting on some key notes who continue because i want to counter on some of these notes or, or talk about the same you're, you're having a lot of similar uh feelings that i did but i don't want to get into them yet so my other feeling is that the whole is he having an affair storyline yep which is basically the plot of the movie yeah in so much as there is a plot it's essentially her father trying to convince her that her husband's having an affair and so they're investigating the husband taking pictures following him checking his cell phone stuff like that and all of those things i felt like i had seen before in is he or she having an affair movies or tv shows I was a little bit bored with that as the plot. I like Bill Murray's performance, but I think actually the character was oversimplified for most of the movie. At one point, she's like, all your weird theories, but there's nothing weird about his theories. They're like typical sexist man stuff and that I've heard a million times before. 
and I didn't find that character that original. I felt like her character kind of was a little bit of a pushover. I felt like the movie was reaching for more than it got at, yet I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, is that, is again, these expectations now, we get so few new things to watch, right, that are even movies that you'd consider, like, could have been in the movie theater, because there's a big difference between stuff mm -hmm. that we're getting that is, like, uh, listed as 2020, but you know that this would have just been demand, and right, right. now it's a little bit harder to, de to delineate, because there is no theater to say, oh, this didn't play in the theater, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I am judging that. There's been a lot of films. There was one that, uh, again, was talked about when you were on hiatus that is really good on Hulu, and it was supposed to be in theaters, and that's Palm Springs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that movie is, like, would have been, I think, a big hit, a big okay. sort of independent hit breakout for the summer had it been released because it's damn funny. And just when you thought that they couldn't do the Groundhog's Day theme anymore or even that they found another way to do one that was really good. Now, you should see that. But uh, I will see that, yeah. But then, you know, so then this movie, you know, Sophia Coppola and you got Bill Murray and you start, you know, the expectations, I think, are pretty high and... I don't, it just didn't leave me flat. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But what you're saying, you know, going to hold true, though I think I enjoyed, I love Bill Murray, and I thought that this gave Bill Murray a lot to do. I love Bill Murray, too. I like watching the guy. I, it, it, my complaint is not with his performance. It's with the right, it's with some of his dialogue. I mean, I think he got to do some fun things, and there is one great scene, I thought, when the, the police stop him. Yes, that is a great scene. And yeah. it probably, again, when Bill Murray has enough that he can just kind of riff into his thing. Yeah. But, you know, as far as that, you know, that old cliche is the husband having an affair. I think where she, where her standpoint was trying to go with is looking at someone who's like, you know, a creative person, her career is kind of stalled. Yeah. And she doesn't really know what to do. Her kids are now entering you know, school and she's feeling a little bit lost. And her husband, on the other hand, his business seems to be thriving, but yes. now it's it becoming a, a very important focus for him. She's feeling like she's getting less attention. Yeah, and I think that what it was is that the father, normal circumstances, his crap she wouldn't even buy right. into. But because she's feeling vulnerable, she's willing to look at her relationship a different way. Yeah. So here's a couple of things that add to some of the things you said that I, I just were on the negative side for me. Yeah. One, I mean, I, I love... Rashida Jones, but I always find that she just hasn't found the right vehicle to really shine. Right. And, you know, she's the lead in this, and I didn't find her super engaging. I, in part, blame the writing for that. Well, I think that's the problem, because then the relationship between her and Marlon Wayans, who plays her husband, I'm not saying it was a phone, it felt phony, but it, something was off. I just didn't really get that invested in their relationship in the first place. I totally agree. I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but, you know, the movie starts with that little wedding sequence, and then it like, cuts to a few years later, but I didn't get their love. I, that's again you keep saying the writing and I is where I agree with you is that this relationship that you, they talk about his character he seems to be billed as like almost too good to be perfect kind of yes yes thing and the problem is is that Sophia's own experience doesn't hold true with what she's trying to write about right I find that when there you you said this thing about you know rich people well yeah. obviously Rashida Jones's father, who's played by Bill Murray, he's rich. Yes. Uh, we don't really even know exactly what, but he seems to be very wealthy. And you can almost buy that. Like, okay, she grew up wealthy. Yeah. 
But they live in an obviously nice house. And so you don't know, well, was that some of her family wealth that helped? Right. And is that why they're you know successful today? They have a really nice apartment. There's this Hollywood cliche that if you're a writer and she's a published author, that suddenly you're going to be like, you know, like super successful. And that is just not the reality because you would know more than anybody. (laughs) No, it's just, and and that was something I really hated about the movie was because she's an author and she's having trouble writing, but she's made money from it. But yeah, what did she make? Maybe 35,000. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And unless it's like a huge bestseller, then she would, but I didn't get that impression from no. the movie and but they put in, in hollywood they still perpetuate this myth that that artists make money yeah and so that actually <laughs> bothered me because i know for a fact it doesn't and it also the other thing that bugged me is it just seemed like sophia coppola was making a character based on herself it just seemed like the movie was coming from a place of privilege this is where this extends to the husband okay and this is another cliche that hollywood does hollywood because they're in hollywood and most of the people that write for hollywood and and are actors they are all people that didn't come from like real world let's say corporate america working yeah they all write fantasies of what they think that people who aren't in hollywood do for a living yes and so marlon wayans has some job that we never actually understand what it is right but he throws all of these ridiculous things out in one scene and i'm like this is so bogus like what are you you're, you're you're talking about a bunch of crap that in the real world doesn't even make sense I actually had this thought at one point watching the movie. My thought was, this is a movie written and directed by someone who's never had a job. Yeah, and I don't want to pick on poor Sophia Coppola, but it it really showed in this movie that she doesn't understand. Like, she needed a character to have a husband who had a job, that like he had a business and that it was on the verge of success. However, she didn't even know what that business could be. No. So it's like that MacGuffin. It's like the, it's in uh, Pulp Fiction. It's the suitcase with the glowing, you know, and then see, that's where, why is Tarantino brilliant? He didn't know what that, it would be in that case. And he realized it's not important, but I felt like in this, it was. Mostly it's important because with, without those details, it just comes across as phony. At no point during the movie did I think he was having an affair. And I think it actually would have been more interesting if he turned out to be was because they go on, they go down to Mexico, right? And so this is where I think a big climax is supposed to happen. Yeah. And then that whole thing kind of turns into a bust. Yeah. It just peters out and falls flat and, and it should have been a moment of great hijinks. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a film that was in search of a film and it's a real mixed bag for me, yet I kind of still enjoyed it because it's light and breezy. 15 minutes into it, I was like, I don't know if I can keep watching this. Oh, see, I, on the other hand, like was fine, but I kept on waiting, like, give me Bill Murray. And you know, when Bill Murray came in, he came in exactly at 20 minutes. Well, that's what I was saying. Before he comes in, I was ready to give up on the movie. Yep. He came in. I actually had, I paused and my wife said, why are you pausing? I'm like, I just wanted to see what exact moment (laughs) do we actually see his face? Because I feel like it's important to bring that, you know, and and she was like, wow, it's that 20 minute mark. I said, yep, 20 minutes. It's key. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, in screenwriting. Yeah. So the movie really, you know, it's look at them. If you have Apple Plus, watch it, but don't sign up for Apple Plus to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) No. And don't, I mean. I don't know. I just, you know, my wife wanted to see this movie. Did she watch it? No, I found this out after I had already oh, watched she it. She was like, thanks a lot. But then I told her about the movie and she was like, yeah, I don't really want to see, see that. I was actually hoping she did because I would love as, as she's an actual published author. Yeah. Who's working on the 
her second book, which is going to get published, that like perfect. She would be so offended by this. <laughs> well, you know, but uh, yeah, because I would love to see the the real the real story of writers. That it's such a hard thing to get in. To, you have to write the book, and then you have to get someone to publish it. But the fact is that working writers, like there aren't, especially in this day and age. It just doesn't happen that you're like, you know, oh, you're, you're making a career out of this where you're going to get paid. You have to have another career in order to support that one. Well, I guess he's supporting her or father is or something. But the other thing is I've always told people never make a character a writer because there's nothing more boring than watching a writer at work. <laughs> yeah. Generally, I feel like it's it's not done well. And well, you're uh, going to be wait for the second uh, second sequel to one BR, which is three BR. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I didn't even tell you the ending of that movie. No, don't, because we have other things. We are, look, we're at we're at like in the forty minute mark. There, we got to get going on our next installment. Our next okay, thing. so are we done with the Sofia Coppola I, movie? I think we are. Here's one thing that I really did like about it. Yeah. And I don't have the name down, but her cinematographer also shot her previous film, The Beguiled. Yes. I noticed right away, I said, this is a really nice kind of soft look to it. The colors are just, they just aren't as like crisp and harsh as sometimes they are in these movies. And I'm like, such a small film, though, it definitely cannot be shot on film. It has to be video, right? It's shot on film. Okay. And I thought it looked good. Can you at least give it that? It's a, it's a hard movie to criticize because it's like it's pretty good. It's enjoyable. The acting is good. Like, yeah. And but I did like the cinematography. Yeah. I also liked, and again, I think it's just I wish, like I said, the story was better because yeah. I loved when they went into some of these places that like regular folks don't get to go into, like Twenty One yes. and stuff. And you know, there is like this. You do get a little bit, for me anyway, a little bit lost in a world of like, oh, I long to just have like a sort of be a vacationer into that world for just right. a little moment. Maybe that's what movies like this gave. But at the same time, because we're in the pandemic, and this happens a lot with most recent films, I find it very strange because I'm out, like I realize I'm not watching anything present day. The thing is, so they're going to these places and I kept on looking. I'm like, I look at these places like, wow, we, we, this movie couldn't even exist today. Like they couldn't right. be going to spy yeah. and the, the husband would be at home having Zoom meetings. <laughs> well, one review I read said that that's what they liked about the movie is that it was like nostalgic for the time before the pandemic. Maybe that's when I said it was like I was fetishing about the fact that, like, right. oh, going into this like cool, these cool restaurants. I look at things like restaurants and other ways of normal life differently now. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So a few weeks ago on an episode I don't think you listened to, uh, <laughs> uh, Bill from Queens and I, oh, we, yes, yes. we talked, uh, and I think it was actually we started on one episode and then we did a whole episode to kind of finish it. We looked at the career of Meryl Streep and we talked about her career in terms of Oscar nominations Yeah, and whether or not... Because she was like nominated 22 times. Did she deserve right. all those nominations? And when she won them, did she deserve to win? Or were there other times that she should have won and didn't? Right. You know, there was a couple of beefs, I think, that just the fact that we picked a woman, it looked like right. we were picking on her. But I was, we were you focused on her because nobody, nobody in all of film, male or female, ever had 22 nominations for acting. Right. Who's next? Who's closest? Right. I would say that the only person on like the male side who had a lot of nominees was uh, good old Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah. Born April 22nd, 1937. Oh, he's old. He's 83 years old and he's yeah. uh, retired from acting. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's always these rumors circulating. of. What like, was you know, his last movie? Oh, 
it was another James L. Brooks movie that didn't do very well. It wasn't very good. I can't okay. remember the name of it, but um, Owen Wilson was in it. It was not a good way for Jack Nicholson to bow out. You know, he didn't bow out on the high. Right. But, you know, I mean, the guy had more money than sin and he got to enjoy his, <laughs> his life. This is a guy where he really, this is an actor when he's no longer with us, could say that he really did it his way. Well, yeah. He lived a life, yeah. right? That guy lived a life. <laughs> I, think, I think you can say that, yeah. But, uh, you know, he knocked around for, uh, for quite know, a many while. years. Yeah, he did like yeah. low-budget Roger Corman stuff. And he really, when you talk about breaks, he was 32 before he got his super break. Yes. And that was also his first acting nomination. Easy Rider? Easy Rider. So we're going to start, and this is how we play this game, mister, is yeah. I will give you the, the all the other nominees. I will tell you who won. And then you have to give us your thoughts. Did he deserve the nomination or did he deserve the win? And so that's how we're going to do it, okay? Sounds good. 1969, he was a nominee, not a winner for Easy Rider. Best Supporting Actor. Supporting, yeah. Is competition was Rupert Cross for the Reavers. Never seen it. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a Steve McQueen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Elliot Gould, his only Oscar nomination for Bob Carroll, Ted, and Alice. Oh, okay. Yeah, that uh, that's a 70s movie or 60s it's, movie. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's that crossover period, right? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely of its time. Yeah, I mean, I can't say whether or not his perform. I mean, I don't really, I couldn't give you performances that didn't get nominated this particular year. Right. Uh, this is an actor where you've seen his face. You probably are like, who is he? Anthony Quayle, a British actor. He oh, yeah. He was in Anne of a Thousand Days. Never saw it. Yeah, so this seems like already a pretty weak category yeah. where you'd think that Jack Nicholson should have run away with it. However, there was a performance that won, and it definitely, in my book, should have been the winner. It's Gig Young for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Okay, yeah. <laughs> you can't think, yowza, yowza, yowza. That's an amazing performance. Yeah, and I also, yeah, that is, yes, it is. And I think Jack's performance in Easy Rider is just okay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. But nothing like I said, it's it. like they rounded out the assortment because there was no way that Gig Young wasn't going to win that year. Also, Easy Rider is a terrible movie. It was one of those things <laughs> when we went to film school. It took me years to watch it. Yeah. Um, and I actually think it's okay, considering how disjointed it is. It kind of, you know, I, I don't hate it, but it's not not something I would say, I got to show people this. I hate it. Okay. Okay. It's okay. Well, I, I it's saw okay. when I was a kid and I thought it was kind of cool because it I was, you. you know, but I watched it again and I really, uh, I, I just think it's, it's dis yeah, like you said, it's disjointed. It's uneven. It doesn't really add up to much. And yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to move the show along. <laughs> Sorry. I'm stopping. Okay. You don't like it. I hear you. I you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to apologize to me. I don't, that's not my favorite movie. <laughs> Because <laughs> guess what? Next year, he's back. 1970, we're in the best actor category now. His second nomination, five easy pieces. Fantastic. Totally undeserved. Shut up. <laughs> no, he's amazing in five easy pieces. He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. It's also the first time I think we get to taste the... Um, the explosive Jack Nicholson. Yes. Where the one scene with the uh, chicken salad sandwich. Yes. Um, but I just, it's really one of those films. The reason why I like it is that they don't make movies like this anymore. No, they really don't. A, kind of about America and a, a person who comes from a, a scholarly family. Yeah. Uh, and he's tried to kind of get away from that. 
Um, and then he has to go back to the family. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good movie um, and probably one of the best performances of the year. However, there's a performance that one that you just can't deny. Okay. But we'll get to that because we also have Melvin Douglas for the very melodramatic and terrible I Never Sang for My Father. Never saw it. That's oh, terrible. <laughs> James Earl Jones, The Great White Hope. Huh. And that was a good performance. Yep. And then, you know, I don't know. Because it was so popular, I guess he got a nomination. Ryan O'Neill, his only nomination, uh-huh. Love Story. <laughs> I know. It's for, that's the, like, come on. So here, who, who would be the winner out of, the, out of that bucket of clowns? And, and how did uh, Jack Nicholson not win? No, actually, James Earl Jones was pretty good. But um, yeah. uh, George C. Scott, winner, Patton. Yeah, that's a pretty good performance. It is. And believe yeah. me, I only saw that again in the theater, 70 millimeter, uh, over a year ago. And boy, he's just, I mean. Yeah, no, he's, it's an amazing performance. The battle was here. I, uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, the Carthaginians. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. America loves a winner. Rommel, you magnificent bastard. <laughs> I read your book. <laughs> That's the best line in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I read your book. Now, Francis Coppola wrote that, didn't he? He did. I, I yeah. think that there was he took over the screenplay for somebody else and he turned it in. But he he is responsible for the entire opening scene. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And other great moments. It's a great, yeah. yeah. It's definitely, it's your father's movie kind of thing. But it, it is. It, yeah. it is good. And his performance, he's just so great. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so you can see why he didn't win for five easy pieces. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I, it's a toss-up between the two of them, though. Absolutely, I, gotta say. I would say. Yeah, uh, but uh, 1971, the next year, this is a this is a category where I'm including it because he wasn't nominated. Oh, okay. He wasn't nominated for Carnal Knowledge. Oh, interesting. Okay, uh, yeah. Which is, I think, he got a Globe nomination. Yeah, probably. So I thought that we'll go through and we'll look at the five who did get nominated you tell me whether he should have been slotted in one of those categories okay one of those people so the winner was gene hackman for the french connection pretty hard to yeah it's pretty hard to beat that that's a pretty that's that's a pretty great performance yeah peter finch nominated for sunday bloody sunday yeah yeah. Not, not 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 something that I think that we could probably you know consider him in a little bit of a gray zone. Yeah, uh, Walter Matthau for Koch. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. it's sort of a comical drama yeah. performance. I love Matthau. I do too, and clearly the Academy did. <laughs> and clearly the Academy did. Yeah. Now here's one absolutely deserved. George C. Scott for the Hospital. Oh yeah, absolutely deserved. One of my all-time favorite movies. I know it is. That's why I mentioned it. Plus, it's also on the list. That scene in the hospital where it's just the two of them. Yes. In his office, and it's about twenty minutes long. Like she does a monologue, and then he does a monologue, and it's uh, that monologue is just incredible. Well, it also won best screenplay that year. Yep. Topol, not the oh. toothpaste for smokers, but the actor Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know whether carnal knowledge, but I can tell you who didn't get nominated, who absolutely should have. Who's that? Malcolm McDowell for Clockwork Orange. Oh, that's absurd. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's insane. That's, a, that's totally absurd. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> the Academy has always had like mixed feelings on Kubrick. I know. But I mean, that performance, if you don't have that before, because he has to be somebody that is so evil, yet you like him. Yeah, no, it it is incredible. Yeah, charismatic. That should have been nominated, but I think everyone hated the movie. So that's next time that uh, Nicholson was up for an award. Nineteen seventy three, Best Actor. He was nominated for the last detail. Oh, okay. Absolutely, last detail. should have been. I think 
nominated. I haven't seen that in a really long time. Yeah. He, matter of fact, this is where, you know, I could I could make an argument that he should have won because the winner was Jack Lemon for Save the Tiger. Okay. That, it's actually not a bad movie. I, I thought he was really good in it. I actually like the movie and I think that his performance is amazing and I'm a huge Jack Lemon fan. One of my all-time favorite actors. So it's tough. I mean, you know, again, if you put yourself back in 1973, would you have voted for Jack Lemon? A little bit of a career award or? <sighs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. know. I'd have to see. <laughs> well, let's see who else was nominated. Yeah, now, remember, we're going back. You have to. You can't be revisionist. You can't think about what we know now. You have to think about right. then. So Marlon Brando, Last Tango in Paris. Okay. You know? Uh, and then. Here's the one that people actually thought might win the award. Al Pacino, Serpico. <laughs> yeah, I can see people thinking that would win. I mean, it's a... Yeah, but he didn't. Pacino, man. That was more when he was talking like this, you know, he was a little bit more softer, Al Pacino. You know, he hadn't quite got the gruff. Yeah, he was a little bit more, I was a more of a sensitive cop and I don't like all the, um, I don't like all the uh, corruption that's going on, you know, so that's what I'm just saying. I want to be, I want to be a real cop. <laughs> <laughs> oh man al pacino is one of those actors who's gotten uh like the the longer his career goes on the worse his career looks in retrospect like no he's done performances that have made earlier performances look bad yeah so you know but i actually i i've seen serpico in recent years and it holds up he's pretty good yeah and i think it's a, it's a decent movie yeah and now here's the one that's a little bit of a head scratcher for best actor. Um, again, he only, I think, got nominated one time for acting in his entire career, and that was for this. Best actor Robert Redford for The Sting. Oh, that's, <laughs> a, that's funny. Wow. I know. I just don't think I just, you know, no. That's no, bizarre. No, yeah. He's the one that you're like, so I don't know who got left out of that, but Robert Redford took somebody's spot. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. Yeah. The other yeah. four I'm, I'm good with, but... Okay, so now, 1974, and this one is really tough. Yeah. All right, this one's okay. got a lot of competition. All right, Jack Nicholson, many thought, would have won the award this year for his performance as Jay Giddis in Chinatown. Yeah. You know, um, he did not win. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good performance, though. Yeah, and it's certainly <laughs> a better performance than Albert Finney for Murder on the Orient Express, who was also nominated. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean I love Albert Finney, but that no. Yeah. I mean, that was it's not handy. even in the same category. No. But here's some other tough competition that he was up against. And maybe it was a vote splitting thing. He was up against Dustin Hoffman for Lenny. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good, right? Yep, that's pretty good. And then Al Pacino again <laughs> for Godfather Two. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. It's not, you know what, though, but I think that uh, Jack Nicholson's performance in Chinatown was better. Oh, yes, absolutely, yeah. Uh, but the winner, <laughs> and it's kind of, it's, I think because of the competition being so good, that you tend to be like, ugh, why did that win? But he, it really is a good performance, and I really did enjoy the movie, but I don't know if he should have won. Art Carney for Harry and Tonto. Uh, yeah, huh. you never saw it. Don't give me that. Huh. Yeah, I, mean, I never saw it. It's good. Yeah. It is good. But I think for years I looked at it before I ever saw it and said, how could this have won? <laughs> right. It's an old guy and a cat. <laughs> okay. I will watch it. But here's the crime. Yeah. <laughs> the crime is who wasn't nominated. Uh-oh. Gene Hackman in the conversation. That really is a crime. Albert Finney from Murder on the Orient Express. Somehow. <laughs> but not Gene Hackman. <laughs> oh, See, that's what I'm saying. So that's because I would say that of all the performances, my pick would have been Gene Hackman in the conversation. Yeah, me too. And he wasn't even nominated. And and I would put that above 
Chinatown, yeah. Um, though Chinatown was probably a little bit more flashy, so that's usually what gets well, it, right? It, yeah, but I'm, I don't know. That Hackman, prof- I, I don't know, the conversation, again, one of my all-time favorite movies, so. Well, 1975, a year later. Okay, so you can see now, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't even matter if the performance wasn't great, and it was, but they were going to give it to Nicholson because he'd already gotten so many. Uh, <laughs> they've already robbed yeah. him. One <laughs> flew over the cuckoo's nest. He was finally the winner for Best Actor. Yep, terrible performance. Oh, Sad. stop bad no, movie no no, no, no. <laughs> but you know it's a, it's definitely the start of him doing his pacino where he's gonna go crazy Cheswick! yes 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 no <laughs> it, it, it is it's it's like the unleashing of nicholson come on ratchet you're not gonna do that now <laughs> not with the game on the line <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> um it's a classic i mean if you haven't seen it i think kids today would still watch this and be like whoa what a great movie yeah you know i think it yeah i think it's a classic it holds up it, yeah well he, well, you want to know who his competition was yeah walter Matthau again for what the sunshine boys okay <laughs> <laughs> i know i know it's crazy <sighs> and <laughs> and now guess who also he's up against al pacino again Ooh. Dog Day Afternoon. Okay, that's it. They want to kill me so bad they can taste it. <laughs> Attica! <laughs> it's funny that the Attica thing came out of that movie and like people still say it and they don't know where it came from. Sal, Sal, where do you want to go? Wait, 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 what country do you want to go, Sal? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I uh, you know, that's a good movie. A Dog Day Afternoon? Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. So that was, that was probably his heaviest competition. Now, yeah. Yeah. These other two, I think it was one of those years where they're like, how do we make it as easy as possible for people to vote for Jack Nicholson? Because he's got to win. So here, this is, this one's the most fascinating nominee on the list. Maximilian Schell for The Man in the Glass Booth. I never saw that. Do you even know what it is? No, but I know Maximilian Schell. Uh, it's based on a play- I get this, Robert Shaw, the actor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is like, it's like one of those things where Mossad captures a suspected Nazi okay. posing as a Jew. Right. Huh. Right. And I'm like, huh, too. I was like, I had to look this up. I'm like, I don't, why don't I know this movie? Yeah. Well, here's the most fascinating part. It was part of this 14 film series called the American Film Theater Project. Have you heard of this? No. So it was an experiment done. It was two different years. This was part of the second year, and it probably just didn't do well enough. Right. They um, contracted 500 movie theaters to play these specific films in a series. Right. And they treated it like, you know how people in in theater, they like have these subscriptions so that they right, can be right, like right, the best yeah. seat. Well, they did this thing with like mail order and the whole thing where they focused on 14 plays. One of them, it's- it's kind of like was done in 1970 as an okay. offshoot, and then it was these uh, these 13 films. Right. And people bought a subscription, and huh. they would go see these films for a short period of time. And the idea was that they weren't just like, they didn't put a camera in and film the play. They took the play, and they filmed it like actually just like they would do in a play where they didn't change any of the dialogue right, from, right, right. from the playwright. And it was a movie version of it. Okay. And it was done with a pretty low budget, but that this way they could bring these 13 theater productions. Yeah, so this was an idea, but here's the, 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 this is why nobody saw these movies. The whole thing was after the contract was out, 
you it was so exclusive and mind you there was no cable really and there was no video that it there was no you could never see it again oh, it was wow. designed to not be shown on tv after and so there was no video so it didn't even exist on vhs what it wasn't until 2003 where it was released as a box set wow or i should say they were even released on dvd and then a few years later kino lorba put it together with the movie from 1970 and and made it as a 14 film set. Wow. So now I'm kind of obsessed with, I want to see this man in the glass booth. Yeah, this is, okay, I want, yeah, I want to check this out. Because the word on the street is that this performance by Maximilian Schell is riveting and way better than Nicholson's performance. Really? But you can't, it was like you couldn't see the movie for 30 years. So is it available anywhere now well i guess you uh, could, outside I, of that set i have not had a chance to look and see okay. but i can tell you that you could you know you could get the box set from kino lorba and there's like i said there's like 13 other plays so i'm really just fascinated by that whole idea it's kind of like how fathom events works yes yes okay that's 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 fascinating wow yeah it was like a it was like an idea that you know it didn't obviously do well enough and with the economics of today's films you couldn't do something like that but i just thought that was fascinating well it, it's the kind of thing that hbo would do now yeah right so exactly so then the last person on that list is james whitmore and here's something that you don't do very often anymore was he got nominated for an actual theater film where they filmed a live performance Oh, wow. Give Him Hell Harry, where he played Harry Truman. Oh, okay. And it was kind of like that Altman film about Nixon. Right, right, right. Okay. And Interesting. And Academy changed its rules where you can't take a theater performance like that and nominate it. Oh, after this? Uh, no, like, not directly after, right. but at some point. So, like, for instance, there was a lot of talk during the summer. It was silly talk, but, you know, the Hamilton that he filmed. Right, that, right, right. That's not eligible for any Oscars because the rules are that that's just a filmed Right, right. It's filmed right, really okay. well in multiple takes and things and stuff, right, but, but it's not a but it's not a movie. It's a no. And to me, I watched it. We didn't ever talk about it, but I think that it was pretty good. I enjoyed it, but it's still it's like you know it's not a movie. Right, right, right. All right. So now it's several years where we go before Nicholson's nominated again. What was he doing? Was he making movies? <laughs> Probably a lot of drugs. <laughs> he was making things like going south right oh, yeah is that the one he directed maybe I, he directed one i think there was a lot of cocaine involved in his life in those five years yep okay you know he was uh he was letting his friends like roman polanski hang out at his house while he wasn't there and things went off the rails and uh-huh you know okay. then i want to so i want to focus on 1980 this yeah. is one of those years where he wasn't nominated and he wasn't nominated for the shining uh, well, again, I'm, I I think the Academy doesn't like horror and doesn't like Kubrick. Well, and also this movie, right? Except for all the people that have worshipped this film over the years, it was a somewhat of a dud at the box yeah. office, yep. and critics didn't like it. Yeah, that's probably. And then you know, I mean, it is a little bit of the over to the top, obviously. But as well, a kid, it's a big, it's a big performance. Yeah, and, and when I was a kid, I thought, oh, this guy has to get an Oscar. <laughs> Right, yeah. Because <laughs> I just thought I was the coolest, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it is cool, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I'm going to just list the names of the other people, yep. and you can tell me if there's anybody. There's one person that maybe, and I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know, but the winner uh, and would be the ultimate champion, no one was going to knock him down, was Robert De Niro for Raging Bull. Oh, yeah, yep. Yep, that's that's a foregone conclusion. Absolutely. And Robert Duvall, nominated for the great Santini, awesome performance. Awesome performance. John Hurt, the Elephant Man, awesome performance. Awesome performance. 
Jack Lemon for tribute. I have not seen that. That's Bob Clark. Yeah. I don't know. I just, that's the one where I'm like, I don't know. He got nominated, but, you know, was he better than Jack Nicholson for The Shining? I don't know. Probably not, but he is Jack Lemon, so. And then Peter O'Toole for The Stuntman, which I'm totally, I'm totally for. Yep. <laughs> Love that movie. Okay, so his next nomination that he gets is back to supporting actor, which I think yeah. is interesting that you always think of Jack Nicholson as a lead, but he got several nominations in support. Yeah. So he got nominated for supporting performance in Reds. Okay. Which I don't know. I thought it was a small performance. but It's a small performance. It's fine, I guess, but yeah. it didn't really, yeah. Yeah, but he was nominated. The winner was going to be nobody else but John Gielgud for Arthur. Okay, yeah. And then ridiculous nomination, because I saw this film uh, <laughs> over the summer, it was James Coco, Only When I Laugh. Not seen it. Terrible. Don't plan on seeing it. Don't ever see it. Uh, <laughs> when you were on hiatus, thankfully, you didn't even get to hear me talk about it. But good, good. Yeah, I saw it. Ian Holm, dearly departed this year, uh, Chariots of Fire. Oh, yeah, okay. Only nomination, I think, for Ian Holm. Huh. That's surprising, actually. And then, you know, as a kid, I think John Gilgood was the absolute winner for me and Arthur. But for performance-wise, now I look back, and for me, the best was Howard E. Rollins Jr. for Ragtime. Oh, It's one okay. of those James Kent personal favorite films. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I love Ragtime. Yeah. Well, it was weird is that when Ragtime came out, it was like, I don't know, it was like two hours and 40 minutes, which yeah. back then it seems like that was like, you know, super long. And now it's like, that doesn't even crack most Marvel <laughs> right. movies. Uh, and I think it looked like subject matter that I just, for some reason, wanted to see it in the theater and my dad, nobody would take me. Oh, and wow. I was old enough. I could have seen it in the theater by myself, but I don't know. It just felt like, well, I'm not dropping you off to see a two hour and 40 minute movie. Right. So I didn't see it until it came on cable. And then I'm like, this movie's great. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to go to 1983, Best Supporting Actor. He's the winner and champion would not be denied for his performance in Terms of Endearment. Okay. Yep. That's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty showy performance. It is. And of course, I think at the time I too, as the, as the, uh, 12 year old uh, yeah. Academy voter that I wasn't, I would have absolutely had chosen him. Yep. Though the competition would have been stiff. And now today I would have voted somebody else. And I'll tell you that in a oh, second. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I saw it. My parents took me to see it and, uh, I thought Jack Nicholson was great and i love jack nicholson when i was a kid so yeah and that's probably his too i mean i'm like i'm like ah. like you know think about it the shining these are uh, movies yeah. that i just was like this guy's my guy and one flew over the cuckoo's nest i saw i'd seen as a kid and yeah yeah and i probably had seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest by that point so i had definitely yeah uh so the competition was charles durning to be or not to be ridiculous okay. Uh, John Lithgow, also good in terms of endearment, but not mm -hmm. as good as Jack Nicholson. Uh, Rip Torn, Cross Creek. Oh, intro. Never saw it. But here's the movie that I think you would agree was probably the performance that we would today like to have seen win. Sam Shepard in The Right Stuff. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's the best part of that movie, in my opinion. But, you know, he's just. Really? You think Sam Shepard's the best part of the movie? In The Right Stuff? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I, I'm, I'm Chuck not... Yeager. I know, I know. I'm not disagreeing. I just, I feel like there's a lot of great stuff in the movie. There is. And it's funny is that as I read about um, the right stuff now, because they just redid that yes. as like a Disney series, which I won't watch because you just know that Disney is going to do a lot of things that will make it not very accurate for the times. Yep. But a lot of people had problems. A lot of adults had problems with the right stuff and how it treated the source material. But as a kid, huh. I didn't know that. 
I and so I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, me too. And I think the reason why I like the Sam Shepard part so much is that I didn't really. I thought it was supposed to be just about the Mercury astronauts, and I didn't really right. understand why Chuck Yeager is getting all this time. And I got so wrapped up into his character and his part of the story. Right. Okay. I yeah. Just thought no, it was I, awesome. I, I'm. I'm not disagreeing. I just. I, you know. I think it's a pretty great movie overall. You're not disagreeing, but I want to hear more agreeing. <laughs> all right well, no, we're gonna move we're gonna move in quickly we're, we're, yeah. we're you know time is, is is always a factor uh with us uh 1985 yeah he's back in the best actor race with some people thought that he should have maybe won yeah uh, for pritzy's honor he's playing charlie partana i am not a big fan of this movie i am not either i thought he was good in it though uh, it, he's i mean the, it, angelica houston was great she won a nomination she won the award that but the movie is kind of uneven for me and i feel like it kind of fell apart at, on some level on the script or the editing i'm not sure mm. and, the, and i'll be honest i haven't seen it in years and as an adult it might be fascinating to go back and look at it right you know seeing it when i was 15 isn't the same it's not the same no <laughs> you know uh the winner that year and this was you know it's hard to argue but it's very flashy performance is william hurt and kiss of the spider woman yeah that's hard to argue because it is a very flashy performance and it was good and that movie was kind of a hit no 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 actually when it got nominated it was only in like theaters just in la and new york for like a week before the oscars you know before the eligibility oh, okay and i didn't see it till video but i think over the years a lot of people watch it and then it became a musical i did not know that which i somehow saw the musical Okay. Cheetah Rivera played the Spider Woman. Uh, <laughs> it was not that wow. kind of musical. Uh, so, it, but it's called, the competition. I think wasn't the strongest that right. year outside of uh, William Hurt and Jack Nicholson. Harrison Ford witnessed the only time he's been nominated for an acting award. Yeah, probably deserved. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, James Garner, uh, kind of a career award nomination for Murphy's Romance. Yeah, that movie sucks. I didn't see it. <laughs> I've seen parts on cable, but whatever. Uh, and then. John Voight for Runaway Train. What? Yeah. That's bizarre. Cannon was making some strides into the Oscar races. Then. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But here's what, who wasn't nominated, really should yeah. have been, is co-actor nominations. Uh, Raul Julia for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Oh, yeah. Really should Oh, have been. yeah. He was great. Yeah. Equal to me in, in was William yeah. Hurt, but not nominated. Okay. 1987, I'm including this as one of those years where he wasn't nominated for one performance, but he was nominated for a for different another one. one. Okay. Yeah. So it, Jack Nicholson, again, the kid in me just loved him hamming it up. And now I look at it and maybe he was just a little bit too exaggerated. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not nominated for The Witches of Eastwick. Oh, but that's a comedy. I like him hamming it up in comedies. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. But he did get nominated for Ironweed, the more yes. depressing version of his performances. <laughs> yeah, I really don't remember that movie. It's hard to remember. I know. Michael Douglas was the winner for Wall Street. Okay. Yeah. That's, a, 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 that's like, at this point- it's iconic. It's iconic. It's, yeah, it's it's gone beyond uh, just being a performance. Yeah, even though he really wasn't the lead in it. No, it's really a supporting role. I think yeah. he got it for the combination of the fact that he was, he was like the biggest actor that year because he was also in the smash hit Fatal Attraction. That's and right. So I think between that performance and this one, they were like, you know, combo. Yeah. Uh, William Hurt nominated, I don't really think it was, I, I, can, I can see why he didn't win, was uh, Broadcast News. Yeah, I can see why he didn't win. Yeah. Uh, this was a movie I didn't see, so maybe it's good, but Marcello Mastriani for a movie called Dark Eyes. 
Have not seen it. Then we have Robin Williams getting a nomination for Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, yeah. I think I've been waiting two years of our podcast to say that. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> <laughs> From the Delta to the DMZ. Yeah, I can't even do a Robin Williams right now. Um, my my voice is too shot for that. I, uh, I mean, that's a pretty light movie, but I enjoyed it at the Actually, time. Actually, though, there's a little bit of a dark. It gets dark. I know. Uh, it, it does. It has. It brings in a dark edge. Yeah. Um, once he's, he has to kind of realize that there's, you know, death going on and it's not all funny. Yeah. You know, what's weird is that there's a series of films that he did. Um, we'll talk about one in a, in a moment where he is the wild clown, bucks yes. the establishment, and at the end he gets sent packing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was yep. the first, you know. Uh, <laughs> that was the first one. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to get the one next one in a minute. So 1989, this is one of those, he didn't get nominated uh, for Batman, which a lot of people talked about that they thought right. he was going to get nominated for best actor. And yeah. I think if they had gone, because he was such a big star and he got top billing, that was part of his like, and he got like $50 million right. and yeah. all this other crazy stuff. But had he been slated for supporting actor, perhaps. Right. But yeah, that's not a best. Yeah, that's not a lead role. It's just the best part of the movie. Let's face it. Batman is not that great. No, it's <laughs> and that movie has not aged well. It didn't it? age well in, in 1989 when it came out. I guess out. that's true. Yeah. I saw it a bunch of times, I think partly because I kept on wanting to see if it was better. Why is it such a hit? It was it was out of control how big a hit that was. Yeah. I mean, everyone was, there was Batman, the bat symbol was on everything. That it was pretty big. I saw it opening night at midnight show and everybody was excited and people who, but I just, at the end, it was one of those movies where like Phantom Menace, I didn't want to admit that I didn't think it was that great. Yeah. Okay. So the winner that year was Daniel Day-Lewis for My Left Foot. Okay. Yeah, Definitely okay. should have been nominated. Yeah. Definitely, I think, was the winner. Kenneth Branagh, Henry V. Uh-huh. Tom Cruise, Born the Fourth of July. Uh-huh. Morgan Freeman, Driving Miss Daisy, and Robin Williams for a Dead Poet Society, where again, he yep. shakes up the establishment <laughs> and gets sent packing at the end. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't think that uh, Best Actor, Batman, he should have even been nominated. So he wasn't. He wasn't. Good. I probably just wasted three minutes right there. But... <laughs> Anyway, I was worried that we wouldn't have, you know, enough material for an episode. Boy, was I wrong. You're, you are always wrong about that. Well, you know. So 1992. Okay. Yes. He's nominated again. Best Supporting Actor for A Few Good Men. Uh-huh. Oh. You know, uh -huh. this is about as hammy and overacting as you get. Man, that movie's awful. I don't like it. It's hammy in every way. The Sorkin script is hammy. Yep. Tom Cruise and Demi Moore, Hammy. I mean, and Rob Reiner directed this, right? This was the start of the fall for this guy. He's never made a good, serious movie. It's like everything. So even A Few Good Men, like it looks like a comedy. It's funny because Robert Richardson shot it, but I didn't like the way it was shot. I didn't like it either. And it, it, to me, it looks like a comedy. It's, it's shot and directed like it's a comedy and it's supposed to be a drama and it fails as drama and then the whole script turns on this really stupid idea yeah i know we've talked about it before and it's exactly it's the biggest problem i have in the movie where it and this is why that scene that everybody thinks is so famous with jack nicholson to me yeah. doesn't work because it would be exciting no, it doesn't if, work at all. if he had listed that reaction and it was a surprise but there's a whole scene where tom cruise basically outlines what he's going to do mm-hmm 
And if they took that part out, it might have been interesting. But it's like you just told me what you're going to do. do, And then we watch it happen. Yeah. It is dumbest, dumbest, dumbest. And it's unbelievable. So anyways, (laughs) exactly. Because Jack Nicholson's character would never reveal that. Exactly. So anyways, Gene Hackman was the winner. Wasn't going to be denied for Unforgiven. Yeah. Yeah. I think the closest competition. Well, people probably thought that Jack Nicholson could have took away with it for that stupid performance. But anyways, uh, Jay Davidson, The Crying Game. Uh huh. You know, so I think that was a good performance. That was a great performance. Yeah. This is probably my actually think out of the. Well, I love Gene Hackman and Unforgiven, but I also thought one of the best supporting performances that year was Al Pacino and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. That is a great performance. yeah, but <laughs> he. But even though he's like him, he's so good in that. I he's so good. But my favorite character in that is Jack Lemmon. Jack, the whole, the whole everybody. That's that. What I. What's fascinating about Glengarry Glenn Ross is that it came and went from theaters. It yeah. was not a hit, and I saw it in the theater and thought parts were good. It just didn't add up. But yeah. then it's just one of those few movies that over time becomes a classic, and it's become a classic. And it's James Foley's only good movie. <laughs> we could have a different discussion on that um, and then this is the ultimate throwaway a terrible film he was maybe the best part of it but how he got i think that maybe academy just felt bad for him david pamer and mr saturday night oh yeah i did not like that movie but now 1992 we're not going to leave that because while jack nicholson was nominated for a few good men they thought he could also get a best actor nomination and he did not he got a golden globe nomination but not best actor in the academy for hoffa oh yeah he's really good in hoffa he's really good but it's a pretty mediocre movie yeah and that's probably what hurt him and nobody saw it so but the winner that year here it was <laughs> son of an oscar Oh. <laughs> Al Pacino. Okay. You say he's not a bad man. <laughs> if I was half the man I used to be, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. <laughs> we saw that together. Of course. We talked about it. It's the greatest. We've talked about we, it. We had a free yep. screening and we went and afterwards they wanted to get one of those uh, things where- Audience reaction commercials. Uh, we, yeah. Just spent 20 minutes being totally hokey and ridiculous. And then they only put women in the ad. And then they only put women in the ad. Well, we were being, I mean, we were, be, we were ham. They probably watched yeah. the footage back and said, these guys are clowns. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, but then the, the competition uh, for that year was Robert Downey Jr. and Chaplin. Didn't like that movie. Nope. Clint Eastwood, Unforgiven, thought he was great in it. Yep. Stephen Ray, The Crying Game, thought he was good in it. Great, yep. To me, probably the best performance of the year that didn't win, Denzel Washington from Malcolm X. Oh, yeah. That, man, that really should have. Was that nominated? That was not. Okay, yeah, it, was it was nominated. But you know Spike Lee's going, that that goddamn Al Pacino and that, <laughs> yeah. and that ridiculous, that one, that clown, <laughs> that, that Denzel Washington. Movie. Yeah. But here's the thing is that with Robert Downey Jr. nomination, Chaplin, the person who wasn't nominated, who should have been on that list, take away Robert Downey Jr., was Tim Robbins for The Player. Yeah, that probably should have been nominated. That's yeah. that's where, That was the one that outraged me that year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're getting close to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he, did, he didn't really get that, you know, Jack Nicholson spread out his, his wealth over the years. Yes. 1997, best actor. He was absolutely going to win. There was no question that there he was going to There was no win. question. As yeah. good as it gets. We saw that together too. We did. Yes, yep. we did. We we would came to visit and we ended up seeing like three movies while you were in town. Yep. That was one of them. Yeah. And then the, what's funny is that his competition, we saw this one that same day, Matt Damon, Goodwill Hunting. 
Yes. Okay. Uh, Robert Duvall for The Apostle. Thought he was good. That's a great, yeah, that's a great performance. Yeah. Peter Fonda, Uli's Gold. I was very happy to see him nominated. Yeah. I like that movie. Yeah. Uli, oh, I loved Uli's Gold. I yeah. I saw it. I had forgotten about it. Yeah. But here's the head scratcher for me. Uh-huh. And again, I think that it was, he was loved by the Academy. It was the first thing that he'd done in years that could just give him another nomination. I think this movie's terrible, and I don't think he was that great in it either. Dustin Hoffman for Wag the Dog. What? Yeah. And wait till you hear the person that didn't get nominated that I think- Wait, is- wait. Okay. First of all, I just want to say Wag the Dog is terrible. Thank you, because I just said it. It is the worst. Barry Levinson's- Movies get worse and worse and worse over time. Yes, I think he's been hanging out with Rob Reiner too much. And uh, yeah, that movie, no, that movie is terrible. It's just, and and there's no performance. What? No, he basically was doing an imitation of Robert Evans. Yes. It was terrible. And it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And especially where this is the person who, it really does bother me because the movie won every award that year and he should have been nominated because if it wasn't for him, this, the film wouldn't have worked and it would never have been a success. And he is so charismatic and he carries the whole freaking movie on its sinking boat is Leonardo DiCaprio for Titanic wasn't nominated. <laughs> how does he not, how does Wag the Dog beat out Leonardo DiCaprio for Titanic? That is insane. It's, yeah, it's absolutely just, insane. Yeah, it's just the uh, Hoffman bias. That movie would have tanked. <laughs> Pardon the pun, if it wasn't for Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. Um, and I'm not saying that the movie wasn't good. It's just he, like ever, when you watch a movie star performance being made, it's it's him in that film. It's him in that film. And yeah, it's a, no, he carries the whole movie. His his charisma is what pulls the movie together because it's, a, boy, that movie just does not hold up. Which one? Wag Titanic. the Dog or Titanic? Oh, God, no. I, I You know, it's silly. Yeah, it's just silly. Are you ready to go back to Titanic, Rose? <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you, shut up. That whole scene with those geeks on the, oh, man, don't. No. Nope. Nope. No. Terrible. <laughs> terrible, this is, terrible. This whole, not Titanic, Rose, not Titanic. <laughs> oh, my God. Billy Zane's performance in that movie was so hokey. I mean, that's just casting Billy Zane in that <laughs> <laughs> makes me d- <laughs> makes me d- doubt everything about James Cameron. Yeah, if they were having like a big like uh, seventy millimeter uh, screen performance that movie, I'm I'm there. Yeah, I'll watch it again. You know, it's fun. Um, and you know what? Even though Kate, Kate Winslet, she did get nominated. Right? I'm like Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't get nominated, but she does. But but her performance is a little shaky at times. It's a, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just saying. Well, I, I, I again, I blame James Cameron for that. Oh well, yeah, he's a good action film director. We'll yeah. get him for some second unit work. <laughs> He's great at second unit stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first unit part that's a little it's, concerning. It's actually, he started, he started as a second unit director for Roger Corman. Well, really good at action. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, we're almost to the end here. 2002, best actor is the last time he was nominated, uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And uh, this was a real tough competition year, right? A lot of great performances. And I think the vote splitting is what ended up in the result. And okay. that's why it was one of the last times the Academy really dosed out a uh, surprise so he was nominated for about schmidt yeah and i i think it was a fantastic performance and i liked that it was uh, a more reserved jack nicholson a more reserved jack and more reserved movie too and you could but it's also like you'd forgotten that this guy he doesn't have to be like Rawr! right yes i mean he did some of that in his as good as it gets, but he there was also some subtlety and some quiet parts in that performance. Yeah, it was, but it was very, it was a little bit over the top. Well, it's a comedy. Yeah, 
um, <laughs> about a very inappropriate guy. Uh, and, and, and about Schmidt, he was very inappropriate too. Um, but it was a little weird, bittersweet, because he kind of reminded me of my dad and how my dad could be a little bit like he's still a nice person, but he was a little hard to deal with at times. <laughs> uh, and that's what about Schmidt was, right? Well, and I think that's the deal with like every Alexander Payne movie. Okay, so like I said, about Schmidt, you think, well, he could have, he did have a shot at winning, uh, but he was also up against Nicolas Cage for adaptation. Oh, okay. Yep. And you, there you got two cages. Yeah. <laughs> and he was so freaking <laughs> convincing. Two for one cage, and he's so good. Yeah. You never once thought, oh, that's right, they're doing special effects. You actually thought of him as two different people. That's so yes. phenomenal. And then this is the one that was maybe a throwaway, Michael Caine, The Quiet American. I actually saw that movie. It's not very good. It's not very good. It's, yeah, that's that's a throwaway. Uh, one of the great, I mean, it was talk about over the top, but it's supposed to be over the top and it's amazing. It's Daniel Day-Lewis, Gangs of New York. Oh, yeah. I mean, that whole movie is operatic. It's supposed to be these big, loud, showy performances all the way through. Yeah. So I could see there was camps looking for Daniel Day-Lewis to win. There were probably camps voting for Nicolas Cage. And then there was probably Nicholson about Schmidt camps right. and if he hadn't won for as good as gets probably simp- you know they would have probably right, right, voted right. for him but the winner total surprise and shock to even himself was adrian brody for the pianist that's right if yeah. you recall it's one of the wild moments <laughs> yep wild oscar moment yes when he kissed halle berry which right? yeah but without her consent so that yes. would probably be problematic now in a clip show yeah, uh, yes, it would be. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it was you know it was still a wild moment, and he was totally shocked. I mean, I don't know, he he just and of course I think the rest of his career shows you how shocked he was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just. Uh, I like Adrian Brody though. I do too, but he's made some weird choices. Yeah. So then the last the last year he wasn't nominated, but this is the last possible year that he did anything that could have been nominated. Can I guess? Yeah, sure. The Departed? Yes, 2006. Yeah. Some people thought maybe supporting actor for The Departed, a role that I actually think he was miscast in. Well, yeah, and it's, <laughs> I agree. That's my one of my problems with The Departed, which I have many. You haven't seen the original, right? I still have not. Okay. So on The Departed, apparently they had to do multiple takes so that they could do it Nicholson's way and Scorsese's way. <laughs> And because Nicholson insisted on doing certain things. And yeah, and Scorsese was like, yeah, we're going to try. We'll do that. We'll try it your way. So which way ended up in the movie? Well, I don't know, actually. (laughs) That would be more fascinating. Probably a little of both. But I mean, it kind of reminded me of uh, George C. Scott and Strangelove. (laughs) George C. Scott and Strangelove is pretty awesome, though. Well, yeah, but Kubrick, like. (laughs) <laughs> Kubrick lied to him. Oh, <laughs> Kubrick told him Kubrick would tell him, let's just do one just for fun and just do it like completely over the top and ridiculous. Oh, because he was such a serious stage actor. Exactly. Probably- and he didn't want to do these like big facial expressions and stuff. So Kubrick said, let's just do this just to loosen you up. And then that's the take he used brilliant because the performance is great but yeah george c scott was not on board with that performance (laughs) (laughs) well he he just showed you how touch he was it was a great performance um but yeah but i i i don't know i don't think that he should have been nominated for the departed he wasn't but i mean i just didn't think it was that good but here's the competition and then you have to tell me the winner and i didn't you know i i love the guy but i just didn't like and he was the best part of this movie a movie i really didn't like alan arkin little miss sunshine he is the best part of the movie. Yeah, that's all we're going to say. He won Best Actor? Supporting. Supporting, okay. 
Yeah, or not best act, it's supporting. Supporting, yeah. But sorry. here's his not, and here's his competition. And this is the one that I would have personally voted for, Jackie Earl Haley for Little Children. Oh, I, I didn't see the movie, but. Oh, I love that know. movie. Um, book is good too. Then, I don't know, this movie, whatever, Damon Huntsow, Blood Diamond. Isn't that like a Tony Scott movie? No, it's an Edward Zwick movie. Oh, it's Edward Zwick. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and that's the one where they made up for the fact that they weren't going to give DiCaprio something uh, before. They actually didn't give DiCaprio a nomination for The Departed. They gave him a Best Actor nomination for Blood Diamond. And it's such a lousy movie. Oh, it's terrible with his his ridiculous South African accent. Yeah, it's just, oh man, yeah. I'm not a Zwick fan. Uh, This is another one that's controversial. Here's the one that people thought was going to get the win that year, just for sentimental reasons. Eddie Murphy for Dreamgirls. Huh, never saw it. Okay, I did see it. But I remember everyone talking about Eddie Murphy. His performance, isn't, it's not his fault. He did fine for what yeah. he was getting, but there was, but there's no, it's a terrible movie. It was done terribly, and he just doesn't have much of a role in it. There's nothing that it would screams best supporting to me. Okay. So the the whole controversy was ridiculous to me. And I feel, I feel bad for the guy because I think that he believed the press that they were going to give this to him. Right. So the look of his face when he didn't win and then his exit. But honestly, he really should Wait, did he leave after he didn't win? Or yeah, he walked out after. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So for years, like, he was kind of like, how dare you do that kind of thing. And I think he was just caught up in thinking that he was going to win right. because so many people told him. But it, the fact is, is the movie... It was amazing he got nominated. It was all for the fact that there was a lot of performances that he didn't get nominated for that he should have, like um, like he was amazing in the Nutty Professor thing. Right, right, right. And then Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark, got uh, nominated for The Departed. That's weird. I forgot he got nominated for that. Yeah, yeah. I thought that he was good in the movie, you know, he was in yeah. a good part. But again, I'm not a Departed guy. Yeah, that's why I think you should watch the original. Okay, someday. Yeah. Hey, so now 95 minutes in, which we'll, we'll cut, uh, you know, along the way we were, we're, you know, we're done with the episode. Hey, we made it. Hey, we made it. What have we, we learned made. here, kids? I don't know what we've learned. We've learned that, you know, we've gone through Jack Nicholson's career and he made some good performances. He did some great performances and, uh, yeah. And it seems like he was almost always paired or not paired with Al Pacino. So we don't even have to do an Al Pacino one because we've <laughs> good. covered good, all those because, over the top uh, things. Yeah, I I don't I mean Nicholson I feel like at some point became a caricature of himself. Yeah. And I think that so, you moment, know I think there's so many stand-up comedians would do a Nicholson impersonation. Well, yeah, they would do a Nicholson he had impersonation. A persona, you know, like that it, old thing. It, but I think Batman was the point at which he became a caricature of himself. He was one of those first actors that said I want the um the comic book money there. Yeah, <laughs> I want, want the, the superhero book. money. <laughs> he only wishes that he could get the superhero money. I mean, think about what would what would be the Marvel character of today that they would have slotted him in if he was younger? Like, you know, like with Al Pacino, what kind of guy would Al Pacino have been? <laughs> well, we, that's a new episode. We're going to recast Marvel movies with the actors from the past. And what would they play? You know, like what, what would Marilyn Monroe, would she be like Black Widow? Probably, although I don't know if she's that good at action. I don't know. We never got a chance to find out. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. So you people out there, think about uh, you know the actors of yesteryear, and uh, you know like Clark Gable. Was he going to be Captain America? <laughs> he would be a good Captain America. Probably would have been Captain America with Jack Lemon. What would Jack Lemon? No, they probably would have gone with like Johnny Weissmuller for Captain America. With like with like uh, but like with like people like Jack Lemon, would they like go and be say like the Riddler? Like uh, would they be bad guys or would they be good guys? Yeah, Jack Lemon would be a good Riddler. 
Walter Matthau. What would he be? <laughs> the penguin. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, okay. uh, you know, I don't know. This is going to this will air in about a month because it's going to take me forever to, to edit it down. Um, but uh, StuffWeSeen.com, uh, feedback at StuffWeSeen.com. If you have something you want to share with us, uh, hey, or if you'd like to be a guest, come on in. Uh, you know, the podcasts are popping up all over the place, people. So I know that people love them and uh, you want to be a guest on them. You know, contact us yeah if you've got some movie obsession you want to talk about let us know we uh we'd love to love to have you on the show yeah tell some friends about us you know get some yeah tell your friends yeah we'll we'll throw you a t-shirt i haven't made the t-shirt yet but but if we ever make one (laughs) we'll we'll get you yeah all right uh teal z teal z thanks for talking thanks for listening don't forget the z at the end of teal teal z teal z yep Yep. (laughs) (laughs) goodbye (laughs) oh man (laughs) (laughs) bye people